Hey there, this is Andy. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast on which we watch very special episodes of television from the past and discuss what they have, if anything, to teach us today. Today we're looking at our very first episode of Home Improvement. Yay! The episode is called What a Drag. It's season 7, episode 16, originally aired February 24th, 1998. You can watch this and the entire series, if you hate yourself, uh, on Hulu. <laughs> uh, this was written by Elliot Shonman and Marley Sims. Which brings us right into our segments. You wrote what? Yay, you wrote what? Elliot Shunman. I'm, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. Shunman. Shunman? Sure. Wrote three episodes on a series called Amanda's, which I had never heard of before. It ran for one season in 1983. Here's the IMDb description of the series. Mm-hmm. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, everybody, I read these verbatim. So if you are <laughs> concerned that I'm mispronouncing something, no, 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 no. That is whoever writes IMDb descriptions, you know, it's, it's, it's heroic work. But It's anyone who has a pro account can write I, them, right? I'm guessing that's all it takes. Yeah, I think so. it's like a Wikipedia with a paywall. They might have made this one up, but... Um, dry-witted Amanda Cartwright, played by B. Arthur, tries to manage a hotel despite mishaps involving her inexperienced son Marty, self-centered daughter-in-law Arlene, devoted cook Earl, and bumbling foreign bellhop Aldo. Oh, it's Amanda's with an apostrophe S. Yes, Amanda's. Oh, I thought it was multiple Amanda's. It was going to be like Amanda Bynes. And... They're all played by B. Arthur. <laughs> it's, a, it's a predecessor to Orphan Black. <laughs> it's called Orphan, Orphan Black. Orphan B? Oh. oh. <laughs> Orphan Black is better. <laughs> Orphan Arthur? (laughs) Orphan Arthur. If that sounds vaguely familiar, uh, it's because it was one of the million bajillion attempts to make an American version of Faulty Towers. You can't Americanize Faulty Towers. Doesn't work. It's so British. Yeah, it's it's as British as can be. The quintessential British comedy. In every character, the desire to apologize for absolutely everything about themselves. You can't the office faulty towers. You can't the office faulty towers. If I know anything about TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get into anything else about home improvements, uh, yeah. and let's put that off as long as possible, we have a new snack and a new snack time hour. It's an embarrassment of riches. It is. It was, it was one person who we can't say legally anymore their name because they don't own it anymore. It was one person's for so long. Yes. And then last episode, we changed it to be the Courtney, Lane, and Jackson mm-hmm. at Memorial we'll Snack see. Hour, even yeah. though they're all still alive. And now we're changing it again today. Absolutely. So welcome, everyone, to the Garrett Nobriga Memorial Snack Time Hour, except he's still alive. Because Garrett, friend of the podcast, upcoming guest, has got us a snack of a kind. <laughs> it, um, these are Best Choice Choco Pies. And they're green tea flavored. Yeah, so, so the cut, the case looks like a moon pie, but green tea, like mm-hmm. a matcha flavored thing. So what I've already learned on this episode is that we need to clarify what kind of snacks we want. These are from, <laughs> these are from Korea. 
And so that's exciting. So they're like moon pies, except green tea flavored. And hopefully better than moon pies, which taste like sawdust. How dare you? I hate moon pies. They're from the future. <gasps> they're so bad. They're, they're made of moon. They're 4,000 flavors and they all taste like sawdust. Yes. <laughs> like the moon does. Oh and the Holland, the Holland It's, a, it's just a moon pie. There's not there's not much else to it other than the fact that it's green inside. Yeah. Um, they're a little smaller than traditional moon pies. And I'll actually go on a limb and say for me, I like the consistency a little bit better than a traditional moon pie. It's a little bit cakier, the sort of cake parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like green tea flavored stuff. I don't taste green tea, which is why I'm fine with these. You don't taste it. No. Well, hmm. not in this. Oh, this. you don't taste... I thought you mean you had some sort of like genetic thing. <laughs> no. Like where some people think cilantro tastes like soap. Although sometimes I cannot taste clam chowder. Hmm. Sometimes it just tastes like water to me. Hmm. Figure that out, scientists. But here's the thing. <laughs> is uh, I don't have a very mature palate. I grew up eating nonsense shitty Moon pies? Treats, pretty much moon pies. <laughs> so instead of uh, having... <laughs> instead of being any sort of gourmet or connoisseur... I just uh, remember different kinds of shitty tasting chocolate fondly, and this is one of those fond chocolate flavors. Great. Then those are all yours, the rest of the box. I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, But thank you again, Garrett, for sending us this lovely snack from Korea. Follow up on the clam chowder issue. Didn't know it was an issue, but okay. Manhattan or New England? Mm. New England. Yeah. I've never had Manhattan clam chowder. Nobody has. I have, by mistake, a couple times <laughs> when I thought I was ordering, you know, regular clam chowder and they brought me something that was like thin and tomato based. And yeah. I was like, what is this? It's actually fine. It's not what I think of when I think of clam chowder, sure. but it is a tasty soup. It's like a minestrone clam chowder. What we're trying to say is send us soup. Wow, folks, that's the worst idea that I've is, ever heard. That's the most I'm Miles just... idea because Miles doesn't like sweets, but he Freaking love soup. Well, now I'm just picturing you opening the P.O. box and there's just a <laughs> bowl of soup in there. Like a spoon and a side of crackers. Or the guy, the guy, <laughs> we got my favorite guy at the post office who wears a hat with his own, uh, an embroidered image of his own sure. self on it, yeah, yeah, yeah. hands me a box just full of soups. Just, no, it's like dripping out. <laughs> well, this has been a disgusting end to the Garrett Nobriga. I mean, it comes in fucking cans. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I wish that I'd thought of that, but no, all I can think of is somebody just like dumping soup into a fucking air pack and sending it our way. It just leaks all across the country. The media mail. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't bend it. <laughs> Four Do months later. <laughs> Do not bend or salt. Um, all right, so let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. Yeah, I can tell you don't like home improvement. I fucking hate home improvement <laughs> We're so gonna bad. We're going to have very different impressions of this episode, I, which is always fun. I loved home improvement. Great. Good for you. It was one of the few shows we all watched as a family. My parents generally didn't like to watch what we were watching, and they didn't let us watch what they were watching. So uh, they were, were very... They watching? Things like Seinfeld and Cheers, oh, you know, okay. like we weren't allowed to watch. Gotcha. Um, and so they... This was a show that we all as a family watched, which was pretty rare. Yeah. So I think I've probably seen every episode. I I think that I, if I saw this, it would have been like late high school years, like by myself, 
like watching it. Like I don't have anything to do on this must see Thursday night, mm-hmm. so I'll just turn this shit television <laughs> show on. It to me, I think that I might not have like really disliked it at the time. I think the two big problems that I have with it are it's where I first realized the the incredibly formulaic nature of sitcoms because uh. this is just formulaic. It is Tim. He has a problem. He talks to Wilson. He misunderstands Wilson's advice. Mm-hmm. He somehow manages to eke out a lesson and yeah. also he breaks something. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's to me and also to me it's like the quintessential like last American sitcom mm. where it is broad comedy, it's obvious jokes, it's based on somebody's stand-up, stand up, always a fucking winner. And like half of the runtime is just people laughing, yeah. so, sweetened uh, <laughs> uh, audience applause and breaks and shit like oh that. Oh my, so much. This 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 audience was Urkel drunk. So They were, they were Home, Al Borland drunk. <laughs> Home Improvement ran on ABC for eight seasons, 203 episodes, 1991 to 1999. It was one of the highest rated TV sitcoms for the entire decade of the mm. 90s. Also, very importantly, and another reason I probably remember it so vividly, is there were, by the time we get to the mid-late 90s, three teenage boys on this show, which was prime, like, Tiger Beat, Teen Beat, 17 coverage. So... Did anybody care about any of the children beyond Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Zachary Ty Bryant had a small following. Okay. And then, like, Terry Nosmith, less than that. Yeah. Which Which one became the gothic child? I don't know. Oh my god! One of the kids just suddenly becomes goth. It's either I mean, it's Zachary Tybiak. No, it's got to be Tara Nosmith. I think. Anyway, the series. So you look that up because I do want to know yeah, and yeah, see I'm pictures. The series was created by Matt Williams, Carmen Finestra, and David McFaz McFadzin. McFadzin, sure. and based on the stand-up comedy of Tim Allen. And it's one of these sh- these shows where if you like watch an episode, you can pick out what was clearly a stand-up style setup punchline. Joke. Taryn Noah Smith becomes goth. We've we have a picture in the show, of him. not in, in the his show. real life. I mean, who knows? Uh, we we have a picture of him with buzzed hair and wearing a dog collar, which is weird because we have somebody's friend in this, Ronnie, wearing that same. All right, that same they really ensemble. Wanted, they really wanted to speak to the goth demographic <laughs> right? somehow the punkers. or another. Um, <laughs> this this TV show launched the the careers of Tim Allen and Pamela Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point in time in the nineties where this was the number one show on TV. Tim Allen had his book, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man, was the number one book on the New York Times bestseller list. And the Santa Claus was the number one movie in theaters. Great. And it was like Tim Allen Palooza. Tim Allen drunk. Um, <laughs> so the basic premise of the show, in case you don't know it, Tim Allen plays a character called Tim the Toolman Taylor. He hosts a local cable home repair show. He has a sidekick on the show named Al Borlin. And Tim is married to a woman named Jill. They have three sons. They have a wise neighbor named Wilson who dispenses sage advice over the fence from next door. And the title, uh, the original title of the show was going to be Hammer Time. Oops. Uh, and they, thankfully, they nixed that. They The title refers to making improvements to both your physical home and your mm-hmm. home life relationships. Yeah, see, really, it's a thinker. Um, the pilot and then, was... And then immediately asks you to stop thinking if you could. <laughs> the fun bit of trivia, the pilot was shot with Frances Fisher in the role of Jill. Really? Yeah, and then they the audience found her too dramatic and serious for a sitcom, and they recast Patricia Richardson and, and reshot the show. No, am I thinking of the right person? Oh, yeah, sure. 
I was actually thinking of somebody else. It's it's gonna be embarrassing. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> What's that? Francis Conroy in mind? I don't know who that is. That's fine. You'll recognize her from uh, Six Feet Under fame. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Elderly lady. No. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what a bold choice. <laughs> uh, yes. So that's the basic setup. And yeah. over the over the course of the show, the kids age quite a bit. Um, <laughs> and grow taller and broader. Yeah. <laughs> Deeper voices. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was, he wasn't the breakout star in terms of being like an Urkel that took over the show. No. But he definitely was the most popular with viewers of the kids and became kind of a huge star and did a bunch of movies and stuff and uh, eventually actually didn't shoot the last season of the show. Yeah. I remember. Why, why was that exactly? He the, just didn't want to do it? He said at the time, the official reason was he was going to focus on academics, but then he went and did a bunch of movies. So <clears throat> I remember people being like, did you just want to be a movie star instead of a TV star? He doesn't really act anymore. He does a couple episodes of things here and there. He was on Last Man Standing, which sure. is Tim Allen's new show. So that's kind of, I guess, was the fun thing for people. But yeah, apparently, I mean, we may have to cut this out, but because I don't want to, I don't want to blow up his spot. But apparently, <laughs> apparently, he like hangs out and reads a over and. I've heard this. Yeah, maybe I've heard it from you. No, I heard this from somebody else. Yeah. All right, you heard that, ladies. <laughs> so uh, join us for our next episode, our live remote podcast from... <laughs> we're on JTT Watch 2019 at <laughs> Cafe in... Um, all right, so let's get into this this specific episode. By season seven, we are just flying... We're on cruise control. We're on Tim Allen cruise control. <laughs> um, Booze control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a lovable drunk. Yeah, season seven, episode 16, we, we start out with the Tool Time show that they are yeah. filming in Tim's backyard, yeah, the, the Taylor's epi- backyard. The episodes do normally open with a cold open that's a segment of the show within a show, yeah. Tool Time. And of course, there's the new Tool Time girl. The first one was, of course, Pamela Anderson, mm-hmm. something that skyrocketed her to fame. Uh, I guess. Yeah, no, it's true. It launched her career. I yep. thought it was Tommy Lee that skyrocketed her. Boy. Womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, uh, only five seconds into this show, and my notes say, fucking fuck, I hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's so tired and played out. Ah, I wrote. Uh, it's it's nonsense. So it's nonsense. We can just cruise right through this cold open. Yeah, because the, like the writers. The main things you need to know are... That Tim and Al are outside in Los Angeles pretending to be in a place where it snows, uh, showing viewers how to weatherproof their homes and protect their property from the ravages of a winter storm. There's snow on the ground that's obviously soap flakes or whatever. I mean, it's the most L.A.-looking snow set you've ever seen. For sure. And right from the jump, the audience is Urkel drunk. They're laughing at shit that isn't even jokes. It's like everything that comes out of Tim or Al's mouth they lose their shit. They really do. There's one notorious thing where, like, they're talking about how there's just been an ice storm, and the tool time girl says, yes, and now there's going to be a high-pressure zone coming through, and she holds up a weather map, and Tim goes, that's right, there's a high-pressure zone, blah, 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 and just people laughing, it's laughing, like laughing. Would think this is the funniest And then Al thing. pops in, and he says, that means it's going to be windy, which isn't a joke, yeah! but people fucking applaud. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's just, it is low, is the lowest hanging fruit. Right. Uh, so, speaking of which. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So Tim, uh, another feature of the show is that Tim is constantly accident-prone, breaking things, yeah. hurting himself, constantly around power tools and, and harmful but dangerous things because he hosts this show. So he climbs up in a large tree to trim dead branches and, of course, manages to fall out of the tree mm-hmm. and through the roof of his gazebo. Sure. It's also fake. I just wrote, this is so fake looking. All of this is just to set up that he falls through the roof and breaks a chair. And it's, we'll come back, there'll be something important that happens. But this, all of this setup has just been to break a chair. It's it's all to have a big, funny pratfall, yep. which, you know, they might not as, they might as well have not bothered. They could have just had Al go, hey, audience, and then the audience laughs for five solid minutes. Right. And then this is what I wrote. Opening credits, JTT at the top of his game. He is and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. The, he's the last name. He has gotten the and, yeah. the coveted and spot. So they know what they're doing. Yeah, there are three kids on this show two of them are spares (laughs) (laughs) jonathan taylor backups this is the cult's adventure yeah tim and al are picking up broken pieces of chairs and under one al finds a plastic bag full of oregano so now we're gonna do the dumb thing where some idiot doesn't know what weed looks like joe keep this out here to keep it fresh yeah and so then he's like that's not oregano is it tarragon it's not tarragon it's marijuana. Jill cooks with marijuana? It's like, uh, oh, I'll be in just, the other room. Can we just wanna, get there? I wanted to take my TV out back and shoot it. <laughs> like, I just wanted to put my TV out of the misery of having to show this. I'm like, sorry, TV, you were meant for better than this. <laughs> Goodbye, old friend. Now that now the Game of Thrones is over, this is all you can look forward to, TV. <laughs> it's insult to injury. <laughs> Al yeah. immediately freaks out and tries to wipe his fingerprints off the it's plastic like, I can't bag. run for political office now. And I was like, if only, Al, if only that were still the world we lived in. Yeah. Where you did shit that people didn't approve of or was illegal and then you couldn't get elected to political office. What a, oh, wow. what a wonderful world. Or remember when drugs was the worst of it? Oh right, no, right. somebody did drugs. Better not, better not put our trust in them. It's really hard to know how the audience feels about this because they they go, ooh, when the pot is found. Sure. But then they, they laugh at Al like he's overreacting. Yeah. So it's like, Guys, what's what is you as a studio audience? What is your relationship with marijuana this, in 1998? This show wants to have its cake, <laughs> it truly smoke does. a lot of weed, and then eat <laughs> and its then cake eat as more well. Cake. Yeah, <laughs> and wants to bake weed into the cake and eat it and still have the weed. Well, they can do that because they obviously are in Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So this is the call to adventure. Yeah. Now, when I think we found this weed, and Tim goes inside to talk to his wife Jill, who's like. Does a short refusal of the call. She's like, "What? Well, maybe it's not one of our boys. Maybe it's one of your crew. Which that, is a very valid idea. It's right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd assume so. Um, she kind of refuses to accept this disruption in the world. And Tim says, we got to face this. These are our kids. And we're off on the potential hero's journey. Potential. Will uh, anybody turn out to be a hero? We're off on the parental hero's journey. <laughs> I thought, no, you know what? You're right. The potential parental. <laughs> potential parental hero's journey. So now we're in the special world, a world uh, where Jill is a detective, apparently. <laughs> also has a sordid past. So she's she wonders which of their children has done it. And she asked him if any of them have been acting strangely. And he says, all of them. Have any of them been eating a lot? Yes, all of them. And do any of them smell funny? Yes, all of them. Because they're teenage boys. Ladies and gentlemen, hilarious. Then Tim goes, all of them. This is it. They formed a a cartel. (laughs) Yuck, yuck, yuck. Audience loses their minds. So this is is the weirdest line of the show for me is uh, Jill wants to be honest. Mm -hmm. We're going to present two sides of a parental argument, neither of which is either fully explored or... 
in any way correct. We're like, gonna, there's not well, substantial enough for it to be... Well, I mean... We're going to do the thing that always happens in sitcoms where we, we try a solution to a problem. It doesn't work. So we try a second solution. But meanwhile, they are talking over two sides of like the parental the parenting argument, but neither of them is formed enough. It's just, I should be more honest. I should be tougher. Like they don't ever discuss like following through with that. Yeah. But the first thing is Jill's like, we need to sit them down and ask whose it is. And Tim says that if they do that, that will only drive the user further Further underground, underground. (laughs) which, okay, let's all calm down. Now we're all a little Al Borland about the (laughs) thing. Well, he's like, we got to, you know, being honest with them is not going to work. We got to trap them. We got to put this weed back where we found it and spy on the gazebo from Wilson's place next door to catch the guilty party when they go to retrieve it. It's Friday night. Whoever put it there is going to want it. It's Friday night. So yeah, if you're going to have, if you want your drugs right. that you've hidden in a chair yep. and in a gazebo. Yep. Uh, obviously, it's your dumbest kid, so it's Brad. It, like, it has to come be. Come on. I mean... We all know it's Brad. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, dumb yeah. It's a, place to hide weed. I just... Where's the thought process? Okay, well, it can't be in the house. All right, well, I'll put it under a chair. Oh, fuck, it's going to fall if I just try to... Oh, fuck, <laughs> gravity. I forgot gravity is a thing. Maybe this dude <laughs> shouldn't be smoking pot. Maybe he's had a hard enough time. Also, like, tape it under a piece of furniture in your room. If you're afraid that, that, like, your mom's going to find it in a drawer or whatever, tape it under your bed frame. Or you know what? We're going to get into this in a minute, but you are 500 feet (laughs) tall, Brad. Put it anywhere that your parents can't reach, which is eye level for you, you fucking Hulk. (laughs) Just get mad about something, smash a hole in the wall, put the weed in there. So Jill says, okay. Uh, this is fine. We'll do this your way, but it's probably, you know, I don't like it, but it's probably yeah. the most practical way to find out which and, of our kids is a druggie. And if this doesn't work, we'll be honest with them. Right. That's her constant thing is like, if your shitty plan doesn't work, we'll go ahead and be right. honest and with our Tim, children. And Tim goes, if we love them, we got to think of them as potential felons. She's like, don't call my babies felons. He said, hey, potential felons. Yeah, right. So cut to that night. They've taped it back under the chair. Tim is over on Wilson's side of the fence. Oh, uh, uh, point, point, important point. Mm-hmm. Tim's crew repaired the chair. Yeah. So they could tape it back under, specifically for the sting operation. There you go. So they they are over on Wilson's side of the fence, staking out the backyard with what looks like the top of an old-fashioned projector. It, do, it does look like that. Used as a periscope. It's, it's, it's supposed to be a nature of periscope. And, of course, there's some funny periscope business where the periscope goes back and forth. Yeah. I love that there's they establish that it's very cold. You know, it's uh, L.A. snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Jill at one point is like, it's 10 degrees out here. And then later she goes, we've been sitting out here for two hours. Yeah. And I was like, no, you haven't. Not in 10 degrees, you then haven't. I hope in the afterlife you You're can catch dead. your children. Yeah. Like, no one, you whoever wrote this has never been in 10 degree weather. No. Because you could not sit there for, what, four hours or something eventually is how long they sit there. If it's this cold, do we need to get our parking validated? <laughs> Which one of you drunkhead kids validates parking? <laughs> so Wilson brings them hot chocolate and sits in the shadow because uh, we can't see Wilson's right, face. That's the whole thing. conceit. You can't the... see anything below the top of Wilson's nose. Yep. So we, we see him. The whole series until yeah. the very end. Cool. What a fun joke. Yep. Anyway. It's a thing. You got to have a gimmick. Yeah, so, it, yeah, you do. Wilson is out there. Wilson is their next door neighbor for the entire a sh- run of the show. Mm-hmm. Tim seeks his advice and wise counsel 
almost every episode. Wilson Sometimes seems Joel to be does. Sort of some sort of liberal arts philosophical <laughs> everyman. He's your Feeny. He is a he is a he is a Feeny. He's, he's a, a Feeny. He's the he's wise a, neighbor next door. Is a little older than the parents. Right. The kids kind of go to him for advice occasionally, tangentially, but it's mostly Tim and sometimes yeah. Jill. Um, and whatever advice he gets from Wilson, he will, you know, horribly misunderstand yeah. and misquote. I mean, we get the joke straight up here is Wilson is surprised to hear that the kids, he's like, I wouldn't have uh, believed that your kids would experiment with cannabis. And and Tim goes, hey, they aren't eating human flesh. Yeah. Huh. But Wilson also says he feels like these kids are his kids sometimes. Sure. He's like, you know, I've watched them grow up, and I, I've never seen them out here doing anything suspicious. And he and Jill are kind of talking, and he goes, where did we go wrong? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. as though they're his kids, which is kind of sweet and endearing. Um, and then Jill says this thing, you know, I think I didn't judge this episode quite as harshly as you did, because... I, I like a lot of the things that Jill is saying. I do, too. Tim's an idiot. But Jill keeps saying things like, we should have been more open with them, shared more of our concerns about yes. drugs, which is a tactic we haven't seen before in a very special episode about drugs. Parents wondering what they could have done differently instead of putting it all on the kid. I think that that's a very valid point. I think the problem in this episode is they're too busy with Tim being a brash, you know, I have to be tougher on my kid's parent, that we never you know, fill in the blanks as far as like the, where it ends up is the complicated, you know, well, if we share our own experiences, are we not just saying that are you, we endorsing we're it, endorsing it? Yeah. which is a huge, I think that should be the focus. Yeah. Of that's it. a very interesting conundrum for In, modern parents, yeah. or 90s parents. Instead, we get Jill taking the correct stance of being honest with their kids and, and Tim being like, no, we need to be tough on them and spy on them and trick them and yeah. things like that. Because that's takes immediately up, what yeah, it says. It's not funny enough. To, to, to make anybody laugh, I mean, except for the 1998 audience. Except for audiences. all these people in the audience. Yeah, and yeah. it's not, it, it just takes too much away from what could have been a good argument. Because right. Tim's like, no, we should be tougher on them. We shouldn't be share. We share at the yin-yang or something, yeah. he says. And then he's like, we should never let them leave their rooms. We should, a couple police locks, put German shepherds out beside their doors, whatever. Yeah. Wilson says, I read about, dr- I read about kids on drugs in the paper, but never hit home until it happened in my own backyard. <laughs> I was like, Wilson, it's not a, they, don't, they haven't made a gazebo based yeah. meth lab. Like <laughs> it's, it's not, a little bit of bot. Yeah. Irresponsibly stored. Yes. Yeah. But they're more you know. bending bad than anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're just leaning bad. But Jill says it's ironic, isn't it? First we rebel against the authority figure and then we are the authority figure. Yeah. Uh, so they say they're outside for two hours, and the, that's least. the point at which I was. I wrote, okay, so we got no B or C storyline here. This is no, this is the whole this thing. is going to be it. Then um, it seems like it's them jumping to conclusions about each one of their children who's just doing something in the house. Yeah. Like they're going to get the drugs now. It's like no, they're just picking up a coat. Yeah. Okay. Oh, maybe. it's got to be Brad. No, it can't be Brad. Oh, it's Randy. No, it can't be Randy. Yeah. They never suspect Mark because Mark's just, he looks like a narc. Yeah. Just a little weirdo. Rhymes with, with narc. Mark the I mean, narc. They, they accuse Randy's friend Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that would be so much easier. And it's like, no, nah, it's not Ronnie's. Well, yeah, because Ronnie comes over unexpectedly and Jill's like, of course it's Ronnie's. We aren't the bad parents. The bad parents belong to Ronnie. Yeah. But it's not even that. So then it cut, cuts again to hours later and now they've lost several toes. Yeah, um, oh, they're they're 100% yeah. full-on in hypothermia. Speaking of cannibalism, if they are going to survive, 
They'll need to eat Wilson. Right. Uh, Tim's um, falling asleep. Jill wants to give up. Tim's like, let's just give it 15 more minutes. And Jill's like, fine, I'm going to go get a thermal blanket from the car. And sure. And she does. And she catches Brad after all, their oldest son. And she catches him with the bag of marijuana. There's like a weird pan up from his hand to his face with a Well, camera. there's a weird like Hitchcock shot of these two feet like stomping yes, through the yes. fake snow. The audience is deadly silent. <laughs> Not a peep from the audience. They're all desperately. Not even like a, oh, like none of it. It's it's like the director came out and said, okay, guys, this is the way we're doing this shot. Or, or that they filmed No one make later. any noise. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure. And the audience just desperately wants to find something about this funny. <laughs> right. They're like, but maybe Al could. No, Al's no, not in this Al's not, scene. Okay, but but can Tim just go haru? And then, <laughs> nope. So that's the end what? of Act One. No, there's none of that in this episode, is there? There's, there's no, no no weird grunts. No weird grunts. No weird grunts. No how time. Do know, how do we know when to laugh? <laughs> the weird grunting season isn't is over for now. <laughs> So we get into Act Two, Scene One. The parents were right there at the confrontation, and this is where it's just the way that the scene is shot, and just the the semantics of everything, or the the way that everybody staged. Brad looks like he is ten feet taller than his parents. Yeah, and it looks as though Frankenstein <laughs> were confronting the monster about you know <laughs> eating villagers. Like, hey, Frankenstein, <laughs> ah. Brad uh, smash. <laughs> Brad smash. Brad tries the old, it's not mine, I'm just holding it for someone routine, which yeah. is obligatory by law. The first thing you have to say as a teenager, well, if you're sure. caught with something you're not supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Tim goes, what do you think? We're a bunch of idiots. We th- we're supposed to believe you're in the marijuana storage business now? Brad admits then, faced with that sort of comedy, that, <laughs> that it is his uh-huh. it is his weed and he was going to take it to a party, but he's like, it's not a big deal. I only smoke at parties to mellow out. And you're making too much of this. And Jill is like, but you were gonna, you were going to smoke and then you were going to drive. And, and says, apparently yeah. you already wrecked your car once sober. What the fuck happened there? <laughs> and I mean, then it's all really open-ended because he's like, I wasn't going to do that. And she's like, you're going to do that tonight? And he's like, oh, I guess so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Huh. You, know, you, fucking, you really undid my fucking lie there by simply pulling on one string. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tug, tug. Ah, I'm lying. <laughs> um, Brad, in possibly his smartest line of the episode, is like, you're being hypocritical. Yeah. You mean to tell me you lived through the hippie era and you never smoked weed? I feel like this is just a writer talking directly to Tim Allen. <laughs> <at this laughs> or a writer talking directly to his own parents. <laughs> or that. Tim goes, don't turn this around. This is not about us. And Brad is grounded and he leaves. He yeah. vanishes to his room. They send Brad to his room. 1997. Uh, let's see what we have here. Season 6, episode 20, title, My Son, the Driver. Brad passes his driver's test and gets his license. He gets to drive the car that night, and Jill obsesses over what could happen. Brad gets in an accident. <laughs> cool. So he went right out and smoked some weed, and then got into an accident. I would have been That would have felt better if he was like, yeah, you know what, I was, I was high as a kite when I did that. <laughs> this is a point, we didn't get this, you and I have talked about it, but we didn't get this information as an audience until this moment. Jill's like, I am a hypocrite. I used to smoke a lot of pot. Yeah. It was illegal when I did it. And if I'd talked to Brad before now and been honest about my experiences, he could have benefited from my mistakes. All very salient points of view. But Tim's like, yeah, but you were in college and and it's stronger now. And if you tell him, you're basically endorsing it. So now we get the two sides of the argument. This is like a deeper parental question, I think. The the idea of like, how, how honest are you with your kids about things you don't want them doing? Are yeah. you 100% honest and you tell them every mistake you've ever made? Uh, so they potentially like 
don't respect your authority anymore because they're like, wow, you're a fuck up. Yeah. Or do you lie and, and model for them the life you want them to live based on the experiences that you've had and just kind of keep the details of how you learn those lessons from them? It's a really complicated issue and something definitely worth going over. But instead we get like Tim says with absolution, no, no, you're endorsing it if you do that. It ends yeah. up being the, the solution that they go with at the end, which is helpful. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a complicated question. I wish that somebody would would tackle that a, a little bit more openly. Yeah, uh, um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas's hair overhears this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> he comes into the room hair first. Yep, and he's he is like, "Why? Well, guess you're not. Uh, I guess you're talking about my brother Brad and how he's smoking pot." And he he's, and then they're immediately like, "What about you? Are you a are you a pothead as well?" And he's like, "No." And Tim sniffs him and then seems satisfied. That seems that seems to do it for, for Tim, the awesome dad, Taylor. <laughs> Tim, the drug-sniffing dog, Taylor. <laughs> uh, so we go up to Brad's room, which looks like the late 90s threw up everywhere. He's pacing on a rug that he's looks like he's been in his room since he was three. Sure. And Randy comes in to talk to him. And now we have this new tactic of brother-to-brother... Uh, smoking's not cool. I never want to be the yeah. kid at the party who's out in the out of it, just sitting in the corner contemplating the meaning of string. Sort of like it's a weird thing where the parents are debating. Did he invent string theory? <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Yes. Thank you, Brad. Thank he you. He left weed. out that one word, but yes, clearly. Contemplating string a physicist theory. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is a prequel to Quantum Leap. Clearly, the Hulk invented string theory. Um, so, uh, uh, we landed that pretty well. Uh, Brad Smash. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, it's this thing of like JTT's the coolest person on the show. Yeah. Right. So the coolest person on the show. That's why he couldn't have been the one doing the drugs because mm-hmm. it's the '90s, and as we've talked about before. And I will give props, though, for it being one of the kids that actually is doing the thing and learning the lesson and not a friend. Yeah. Um, because that's a, a tactic in the 90s they love on very special episodes is sure. not to have one of the main kids actually do the bad your thing. Your parents get to have the whole lecture, but then it turns out your kid wasn't doing it yeah, the whole exactly. time. So everything, you don't have to think about it. So too the much. audience, you don't worry the audience is going to dislike one of your main characters. Yeah. But in this one, you know, props, they actually, actually one of the kids, but not the coolest kid. Um, because the coolest kid needs to come in and now lecture, yeah. lecture his uh, older brother about how uncool um, it is to smoke pot. If, if you don't have a Jonathan Taylor Thomas around, you're going to have to bring in a Mr. T <laughs> or a Nancy's Reagan yeah. or somebody yes. to tell them that drugs are not great. Mm-hmm. So Brad's like, I got to make a phone call. So he leaves his room, even though he's well, not supposed he to. Asks, this is this is important. I'm, I'm only interrupting you because this is where uh, first question uh, occurs to me that will occur to me several other times throughout mm-hmm. the episode. Uh, Brad asks Randy where the parents are and he says they're in their room. And I think... Where'd, where'd the weed go? Mm-hmm. Where'd, that, where'd that weed go, parents? Right, they right planted the it on Al and then they called the police. Nope. I think they go upstairs to mellow out about the whole argument thing. So yeah, as soon as Brad hears that his parents are in their room, he has to go make an important phone call. Ah, the days of one phone in the home. Boy. This, you know, there's one phone. It's in the kitchen. Yep. And so he has to go call his friend that he was supposed to give a ride to this party tonight mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, I can't give you a ride. And he says, I got busted by my parents. I won't be smoking pot for a while and of course they're right behind him yeah and they're like oh cool so you're just gonna wait until the heat is off and then you're gonna start smoking pot again huh yeah and now all of that has been tests allies enemies now we are approaching the inmost cave on the couch over here so we're gonna sit down in the inmost cave brad and his parents and he says it's not like i'm doing hard drugs and tim says you don't have to do hard drugs to screw up your life 
And Jill goes, and we know that from experience. And Jill wants to launch into her personal story, but Tim still thinks this is a bad move. So he immediately says, "Uh, your mom's talking about a friend of hers who went to jail and her parents, her family shunned her and her boyfriend had to bail her out of jail. And, which is weird. It's well, such yeah. a weird anecdotal thing that's not going to work. Yeah, and Brad, even though he's definitely the dimmest of the kids, totally understands that this is a thing that happened to well, his mom. Well, even the dimmest of the kids is smarter than Tim. <laughs> True. I mean, so he's like, my mom, is that is that about you? And she says, yeah, that's not even the whole story. I bought some bad dope at a Led Zeppelin concert and ended up in the ER, registered under the name Charlene Fogelman. And, you know, and then I got arrested and someone ratted on me and I got arrested and my family wouldn't bail me out. And your dad was my boyfriend, had to bail me out. And it's like, this would have been a great story to tell this kid a year ago. Sure. Absolutely. Something to, you know, but also it's not necessarily about the dangers of marijuana. It's the dangers of like buying from somebody you don't know. Yeah. And she says, I mean, she lands it. She has a good thesis at the end, which is, I know you feel like nothing bad can happen to you, but it can. Something bad can happen to you. And I think this goes back to also like not driving while high, not losing your soccer scholarship was a thing they bring up later. So they have valid points. Yeah. The point that she does land is don't take these risks. Right. Um, which, again, is is sort of backed off of the marijuana is going to ruin your life, which I don't think is a bad thing to do. Yeah, and Brad admits that he doesn't want to lose the trust of his family. He doesn't want to lose his soccer scholarship, mm-hmm. all of these things. And so now it's decision time. This is the Supreme Ordeal. And Tim says, what are you going to do next time you go to a party and kids ask you to smoke? And Brad's like, well, I'll make something up. And then Jill says this thing. Okay, you tell me what you think this means. Mm-hmm. She says, this is what they tell us to say at the counseling center. I just and I was like, that's where she works? I was like, is that where she works? Or is this like she's in treatment? I don't think it's that she's in treatment. And we just don't know for all these seasons <laughs> that like, that's where she goes once a week. I can tell you that I'm in Narcotics <laughs> Anonymous. I'm not in a knitting group, actually. <laughs> Have you noticed I never knit anything? I don't know what her job is, but I assume it has something to do. Uh, she goes back she to like... school at some point and gets like a degree in psychology or well, something. There we go. So yeah, yeah she probably so must works be with, with kids. Um, yeah. yeah. And this is actually my favorite part of the episode is they aren't just like, don't do drugs. Because that's, you know, very right. simplified. And it also isn't just say no, because... Because that's not right. Brad's already been doing it. Right. He's already, you know, he definitely goes to parties where this happens. So they're like, well, you need to think of an excuse for what you're going to tell them and put the impetus or put the blame on your parents. Yeah, make us the heavies. Yeah. Um, and Jill says to say, if I get caught again, my parents are going to put me on drug testing. And Tim goes, that'll be true. Yeah. Like, we will. And I was like, what? Are we going to have mandatory pee testing for Brad every morning? Is that what's yeah. going to happen in your home? All right, big brother. I think that there's just like we're missing... One thing, and again, this is just like a 20-minute episode where we, we have to have plenty of time for Periscope jokes. Right. It's just there isn't that step between here's the bad thing that happened to me, here's why you shouldn't smoke weed, right? and then here's how you're going to avoid doing it in the future. Yeah. There's not enough of the here's why you shouldn't smoke weed. Right. We this. just This part of the episode just needs two more minutes. Yeah. Three more minutes to really be like a home run, you know? I mean, because they're giving excuses. They're giving reasons. Yeah. And also, this is not a very special episode for kids. It's 
it's for parents. Seems like it, yeah. This is this is their journey. Like, what yeah. do we do about our kid? Brad, um, you know, here are as our a, two options. Yeah. One didn't work. Here's the honesty option. That's obviously what the writers think is the correct answer. But but it's the parents who are making choices and who are on a journey here. It's not the, the kids just kind of a fuck up. Yeah, it's, um, a very tall. Broad-shouldered, fuck the, up. The problem with putting that on the parents, and especially in this specific series, is that Tim Taylor is a, a character who, by his very nature, doesn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's it's a difficult thing to be like. They did the right thing, and then they completely, well, they don't completely undo it. Well, yeah, because we got to get some more jokes in. They sure do. But this is why. I mean, the next thing is the reward consequences. They told they tell Brad go back up to your room to await sentencing, basically, and then they say. Oh, did we get through to him? Mm. You know, did we do our job? What is our reward? And Jill says, we can talk to him all we want. But in the end, when he goes out the door, it's all up to him. And Tim's like, yeah, he's a good kid. And then they remember how hard he was to potty train just to tee up a joke for Tim. Couldn't get him on the pot. Now we can't get him off the pot. That's one of those jokes where it's just like, oh, right. Stand up. That's yeah. in your stand up somewhere. Hey, remember fucking pot? Yeah, what a day. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's write a joke here. It's something like, we can't get him off the pot. Not that, though. We'll think of a different <laughs> well, one. Yeah, yeah, that's a first Later. joke. Let's go home and, and, and we'll, 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 we'll knock it out of the park tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, shit. Poop jokes. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, you know what? Uh, I, got, uh, I got things to do, so this pot joke seems all right. That's, that'll be fine. The audience will laugh. Um, and then so... Jill says, what a terrible day. And, and Tim goes, I need a beer. Yeah. Yeah, because earlier Brad was like, I bet you were a pothead. And he goes, no, I was a beer head. Cool. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, also true. Yeah. So very subdued audience, actually. Not laughing super hard. They, you know, were very respectful of the whole exchange. They're all laughed out. <laughs> so then we have an act break and we, we have a little short act three, which is a definitely in terms of the hero's journey clearer than we usually get yeah return with the elixir heal the community yeah we i mean we usually get nothing and this is a very clear sort of heal the community because the parents sit down with the other two kids and it's like all right we've gone through this with one person how do we put our house back in order kind yeah. of a thing um they and, say by being harshly uh, unfair to the rest of yeah, them they're like brad's grounded from driving and parties for two months and we're going easy on him because he was the first and the next one of you who gets caught gets the book thrown at him you two have the benefit of learning from brad's mistake and jtt cockily says he swings his hair around a little bit and says like a fucking you know in some cultures it's the guy who screws up that has to learn from his mistakes and Tim Allen goes, this is America, where one person can screw it up for everybody. He notes that this isn't a fancy country like France. Nope. Boy. Yeah. So. Freedom fries. So, should we talk about, should we talk about Tim Allen, or should we talk about whether or not this is a good episode to show kids first? All right, so it's 1998. You, you've, you're trying to show. No, it's today, right? What do they have to teach us today? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You are trying to show children a clear idea on whether or not they should be smoking pot as teenagers. Again, I think this is for parents. I don't think it's meant for let's, kids. Let's take it that way, then. If you are trying to tell parents how to talk to their children about smoking pot, then do you show them this episode? If I can show them the episode with just Jill's lines and beep yeah. out all of Tim's lines, yeah. then, or just in the beginning, have him be like, no, we are hard, we should be harder on them. Or if you and can, then beep out all the jokes. Or if you can preface it by being like, this is a story about Jill, and then you smile real big, and her husband Tim, and then you just shake your head. Yeah. 
<laughs> like uh, to make sure that everybody knows. Yes. I think the... that Jill is on a very interesting journey. I think so too. In this episode. And it's complicated and undermined by the things that Tim is doing. So not, not good enough yeah. to, but to... I don't know that there are a ton of episodes out there that address like how to talk to your kids about doing a thing that you did. So yeah. that's the difference between a lot of very special episodes is like, normally the parents are above reproach. Mm-hmm. It isn't a question about how do we tell our kids not to do something we did. Right. It's like, how do we keep our kids away from this evil thing that ruins lives and you know, causes we didn't, death? We and, didn't have to bother with yeah, because and we, we would were never... too morally upright. You know, exactly. So thing. I think it's interesting and complex. And, and I don't know. I think I might show it. I don't really? know. It's not a home run. No. But the, I think Jill does a very... Her journey in this is really interesting. I wish, a, I wish Tim had sat this one out. We wouldn't have to, to stop it throughout and be like, okay, guys, here's the thing. But there would have to be like a quick discussion afterwards. Yeah, let's all just roll our eyes at whatever Tim just said no. and pay attention to what Jill's saying now. Um, but I'm guessing you wouldn't in 2019. I don't think so. I, I think that the the way that Tim is reacting to it and how in the end Tim isn't nobody nobody looks at Tim and goes you're incorrect about this right he keeps throwing out the point that they need to treat their kids like like criminals Potential felons. yeah like criminals and be harder on them and be more like tough up front yeah and nobody proves him otherwise yeah and in this day and age in a lot of places it's not even illegal anymore so you don't have that wrinkle of being like you'll get arrested but there is the i mean the other point still raises you could buy weed at a concert and it's laced with something and you end up in the er or you could drive impaired and get into a wreck like these are all still valid concerns They're very valid concerns it's just a it's also just a different time yeah to talk about this. And there's also, you know, there yeah, are This is better... not quite war on drugs. This is post-war on drugs, 1998. But it's pre... Oh, pot's basically like alcohol. You know, it's legal in a lot of places. Right. Or are legal for medicinal reasons or whatever. And, and everybody's more relaxed about it. And there's a lot to be said about, you know, the, the medical evidence of smoking pot as a teenager can cause some memory issues later Yeah, on. and also... Teenagers just have no impulse control. Yeah. Like they're bad with alcohol. They're bad with anything they get their hands on. Yeah. You're going to want to probably wait. They're all accelerated, no breaks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that I like about this is it doesn't demonize pot as like as soon as you start smoking, your whole future goes right. down the drain, like a lot of them do. It's like you aren't quite old enough to understand what intoxicating yourself means yes. if you then go out into the world and do things like drive a car. And so we don't quite get that nuanced thing because in 1998, it still is an illegal drug. And People are saying it's a gateway drug and all these kinds of things. Yeah. In 2019, I think a lot of the things she, the arguments she makes still kind of hold up. Some of them don't. I don't know. I'm on the fence. I don't think it's great, but I don't really think it's terrible, actually, either. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a step in the right direction. It's just not. And I also like that they didn't try to cram in a stupid B and C storyline just to have one. Sure. They really, like, focused on this the and whole they, time. They also didn't try to throw in a bunch of different ideas about, like, you know, not doing right. It just... They, at least they stuck to two conflicting points. It's just they didn't land yeah. either of those particularly well. Want to talk about Tim Allen? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Fucking drug mule Tim Allen. Notorious snitch Tim Allen. Notorious drug snitch. Boy, this isn't the first time he's found drugs and found somebody to blame about it. Oh, my God. Tim Allen, which, you know, he's talked about it. He wrote about it in his book. Everybody knows about it. Mm. And there's an article 
the only research I did for this episode, sure. there's an article called Tim Allen was a convicted drug dealer before becoming famous. And if you want to hear both sides of that issue, you should read the comments on this article. Oh, they boy. are, people are wilding out in the comments section about whether snitches should get stitches yeah. or not. Tim Allen got arrested in 1978 for possession of cocaine. He pleaded guilty to drug trafficking charges, was sentenced to three to seven years and was paroled after two years. Everyone in his sort of ring, about 12 people, he gave up names to the DEA. They all got life, and he got paroled early after mm-hmm. just two years because all the other guys went to jail and got life. Yep. When he was released, he was 29 years old. Being an ex-con, found it hard to find other work, so decided to go back to stand-up comedy. He had been doing on the side while working in advertising before being convicted. Fast forward about 15 to 20 years. Tim Allen is an A-list star doing family and kid-friendly entertainment, mm-hmm. including winning the Hall of Fame Award for the Kids' Choice Awards in 1996 and making $1.25 million per episode for the final season Good of Home God. Improvement. Um, he also has a drunk driving arrest, even though his own father was killed by a drunk driver at the age of 11. Mm-hmm. My last note is the comments on this article are bonkers. Do you have any examples of the article comments? Oh my God. I mean, it's just people going back and forth. Being like, he is an example of how you can change your life, even if you have like a bad experience when you're young, you can yeah. turn your life around. And then other people there being like, some- oh, yeah, I'm assuming all the dudes that are in prison for life because he turned on them are real proud of how he turned his life around. That's the thing is like, yes, you can turn your life around, but the idea that you should also serve time for the crime you committed. Right. And someone wrote, it's better to have a regular job living paycheck to paycheck than to have sold coke to kids and rat everyone else out when you get caught and avoid the sentence you should have received. And then someone wrote, so you prefer drug dealers not to roll on each other? That would just provide a stronger and more resilient drug trade. I guess that's what you want. I'm skipping really offensive words. That's fine. Speaking of really offensive, uh, Tim Allen, if you're if you're wondering how to feel about Tim <laughs> Allen nowadays, you can remember that Tim Allen said... Uh, like he's super conservative now or something, Very right? Very conservative. Yeah. On the Jimmy Kimmel Live show, he said, you know, you get beat up if you don't believe what everyone else believes. He likened being a conservative in Hollywood directly to being a Jew in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Oops. Because that's like exactly like being rounded up and gassed. It is, yeah. yeah. People are doing that to conservatives all the time. That's true. You know all those Republicans that are in cages along the borders? It makes me so angry when people say when people make those false comparisons. I, I get upset when people say that Christians are persecuted in this country mm-hmm. because I want to be like, there are countries where Christians actually are persecuted, yeah. rounded up, shot. And the fact that you... Like right now, today, and the fact that you can say that about yourself living your comfortable life in America is so shameful to me. Yeah. It's just, it's so tone deaf. There's a picture online uh, that somebody, it's a, a looks like a, a white middle-aged woman who's put it on her Twitter feed. It's a picture of her looking like scared, and she has a sticker of like a, you know, crosshair target on her forehead. And she's like, this is what it's like being a conservative in America. And somebody commented on it like, you know what, this is exactly what it is. It's a fake target, and you put it on there yourself. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really tough listening to like there's something to be said about everybody's experience and and you know validating everybody's experience, but try to understand 
what the line is between you, somebody living comfortably, and not being able to see Merry Christmas on a Starbucks cup. Right. Also, Tim Allen... You know what conservatives love? Mandatory sentencing minimums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what you benefited from? Oh, uh, yeah. real lax uh, sure. sentencing. They so, would, um, yeah, I'm sure they'd have something to say about smuggling a pound of cocaine into right, the Right, and then getting out after two years. Yeah. So the point is that we're the best and everybody else is the worst. Uh, the point is, this episode was not a home run, but it wasn't a complete failure. Um, and I also think it was a very special episode for parents. I think so too. And, I also think that, that this Tim Allen stuff was distracting enough that maybe they could have given this whole thing to somebody more suited. Because as soon as, as Brad says, don't you think that's hypocritical? I was like, oh, he's talking directly to Tim Allen right now. <laughs> Are you talking to Tim Allen? Yeah. Maybe Tim could have gone out of town on a shoot and uh, and Jill and Wilson could have handled this. On a shoot? (laughs) I don't know. He's shooting a show. I'm going to go keister some shoot. And and Wilson and Kalamazoo. Wilson. uh, (laughs) Right. That's where he was caught, if you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Wilson and Jill could have really handled this on their own. Yeah, I think that could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. I want to see that show. Yeah, right. The one where Tim's always out of town, and yeah. then it turns out he just has like another secret family in, in home, Michigan. Call it home removement. <laughs> Him removement. Mm. Tim removement. Tim removement. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's like in another room somewhere. <laughs> like. I, would, I would watch Tim removement. <laughs> You're scaring the dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was our goddamn foray into home improvement. Boy, oh boy. Who did you want to hug, Fucking Moesha last week, home improvement this week. It's like a dream come true. Who did I want to hug? Um, Jonathan Taylor Jones? I guess so. I, I don't know. I hope that dude's doing all right. I guess we'll find out next week. <laughs> Stalk him at the Turbo bookstore. <laughs> uh, JTTW 2019. Um, I guess so. I don't, I don't want to hug anybody in this. I guess I want to hug Jill. Uh, mm-hmm. Jill really tr- is, is really trying to do a thing here. Yeah. And honestly, thinking back over the series, Jill's character is, is pretty smart. Yeah. She she's, the... she's another of the run girl. You're too good for this. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. She's a real, you know, she makes a lot of upgrades and improvements to her life as a character. She goes on a journey. It's interesting professionally sure. as a mother. And yeah. yeah, she's an interesting sitcom mom. Okay. What did we learn? I guess, you know, in all honesty, it's worth, I learned that it's worth thinking about applying your personal experiences to the lessons you're trying to teach children. Yeah, I think so too. I I don't think I had thought about this idea of like, because I don't have kids, when my kids are teenagers, am I going to tell them every single facet of everything I've ever done that was questionable so they can learn from my mistakes? Or do I give them some sort of sanitized version of my life and then hope that they take that into consideration when making decisions. It's a sticky wicket. I think that's why it kind of, this episode feels like with a few legality changes, you could write something like this in 2019 for a show that's airing today and have parents being like, I used to smoke a ton of pot and now, you know. Yeah. Or I still do because it's perfectly legal. But my kid's a teenager and it's not the same. Yeah. You're going to, how are you going to tell your kids that you experimented with British phrases in (laughs) 2019? 
So one more time, we'd like to thank Garrett Nobriga for the Traco Pie. Basically the Moon Pies, buddy. Hey. Green Tea Moon Pies. Thanks for the Moon Pies, bro. Yeah, thank you for the snacks. If you don't know, we have a website, huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all of the articles we mentioned on our episodes. You can listen to audio. If you, for some reason, don't like to download podcasts, you can listen to full audio embedded on the website. And you can, most importantly, find our post office box address mm-hmm. where you, too, can mail us snacks and get a shout-out. And dethrone Garrett Nobriga. <laughs> Current reigning snack time <laughs> memorial champ. Except he's still alive. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bring snacks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!